Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest, Clint Callahan, and he's a social worker and therapist who's been working and... He's a, got over 20 plus years of experience. He's got a fantastic journey, uh, journey of resilience and how he's come out of it. And today's talk is all about mental health, uh, small changes, big impact, resiliency, and I'm happy to welcome him to the show. Uh, Clint, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, tell people about your, your background, your story, and get started and we'll get into it. Sure. Yeah, I'll give you uh, the condensed version. Uh, so when I was born, I weighed one pound, 15 ounces. So 47 years ago, they didn't have the medical technology they had today. So I'm lucky to be here. Uh, from there, I was bullied a lot in uh, elementary school, uh, junior high and high school. And that led me to have anxiety, depression, people pleasing, imposter syndrome, all these wonderful things. And then eventually it flipped over and I was just angry a lot. My parents uh, put me into therapy when I was 12. And that started my love affair with mental health because now there's words for all this stuff, right? Before I didn't have the words. And so now that I have the words, I was able to express myself and figure out. And I decided that I wanted to become a therapist. Well, first I wanted to become a behavioral profiler with the FBI, but then I worked in a prison for a while and I really didn't want to spend my time in the mind of killers because it was not, not much fun doing that. Uh, so from there I have, you know, I met my moved to California. I met my wife. We had my, uh, my mom got sick. She uh, committed suicide and passed away. And from there, that led me to grief and burnout and exhaustion and stress. And then I left my, I left the field for a couple of years and became a real estate agent. And then 2008, 2009 happened and we lost everything. And I had to move in with my in-laws for about two years with our newborn son. And at that point, I realized I was profoundly burned out in multiple ways and that that's when I began to really formulate the idea that burnout is not just a work problem. It's a life problem because we are on all the time now thanks to social media, thanks to being able to connect with our with our work after hours because emails can come in and it can pop up on our phone and we feel like we're always on. And so burnout has become this new multidimensional thing instead of just a work thing. It's now become an everyday life thing. And so that's kind of where I started coming up with the small changes, big impact, you know, 
1% per day system is it's a 15 minute a day system to help people learn how to use different psychological tools and mindfulness and these different aspects to remind themselves that your brain and body are not separate. If you're, if you're physically exhausted, you're going to become mentally exhausted. If you're mentally exhausted, you're going to become physically exhausted. And it's all those different components together. Yeah. Uh, really interesting story. Kind of, kind of talk about this. Uh, I like this idea of uh, small changes and big impact getting the most out of getting the biggest bang for your buck, so to speak. So talk about power of incremental transformation. Yes. So the main thing that people run into when they have when they want to change is they look at the mountaintop goal, right? I love the analogy of the mountaintop, where when you think about when you're at the base of the mountain and you're looking at the peak, if you do that, you're exhausted before you even start because you're like, how am I going to get up there? That is so far. Sometimes you can't even see it because there's that nice thick cloud layer around it. So you don't actually know where you're going. So one of the things that I really try to teach people in both my therapy practice and my life coaching practices, you always need to remind her that you need to stop and look at your feet and you need to find a guide or at least guidance of people to follow because we all are walking the same path of trying to make it through life. But there's some people who may be a little further ahead than others and they can help you by providing you proper guidance along this path and reminding yourself that these, these small steps that you take every day, like for me, I'll give you what I do every day. When I was profoundly burned out, one of the things that I found was that I was burned out in basically four main areas of my life. I first started to socially withdraw. I started to stay away from friends, from work colleagues, from all these different things, and I just began to separate from that. That's that first piece of burnout. Then I began to start having self-care neglect. I didn't want to go to the gym, didn't want to eat right, didn't shower every day, didn't shave every day. I basically started to smell. And then, you know, those kind of things, right? Then from there, it started the relationship issues where I didn't want to talk to my family, I didn't want to talk to my close friends, that I was feeling burned out. So I did the stuff that I had to do. I basically pretended like everything was fine and didn't, but wasn't really engaged in anything. And then, then at the last point where it really became noticeable was when I had that inevitable conversation with my boss at the time where they said, look, your work is suffering. You're not doing the job that we hired you to do. You are beginning to you know, fail in multiple areas and we're going to have to fire you unless you shape up. And the sad thing is for a lot of people, that's the part that you then start to get scared enough to finally begin and wanting to start the process of change. Yeah, yeah I love that. Uh, the other question we talk about is this idea of uh, resiliency. So kind of, yeah. uh, you know, resiliency is, uh, you know, that's a huge topic today. Um, so talk about a little bit about that. Yeah. So it depends on what resiliency is, right? because everyone has a different, again, it comes down to, it's like the definition of the word. Everybody has a definition of what resiliency is, but really resiliency needs to be a personal definition for you. Because for me, what I think resiliency is and what you think resiliency is may be very different, but recognizing that resiliency is key, which basically for me, what resiliency is when I'm with people, when I'm in my daily life, Resiliency means that I can stay present, that I can be there and be a part of the moment and be in the moment. 
For me, that's what drives my resiliency. For other people, it may be they're able to separate and take time and go do these individual tasks for themselves. For other people, it may be spending more time with family and friends and doing outings and doing things like that. For other people, it may be travel. For other people, it may be reading books. There's resiliency is, a, is so many different things that can be there for you, but it's you figuring out what that is for you and then taking the time to explore it. Because that's the thing that we often don't do. Because it's so much easier to pick up your phone and scroll through Facebook or scroll through Instagram or watch Netflix or do something else instead of stop and just take a second to figure out who do I want to be? Because that's where it all starts. If you don't know who you want to be, what you want to do, how you want to show up in the world, then you can't figure out these pieces and these parts that anchor you back into the real world. Yeah, and I love this idea. One, oh, so I love this this idea because um, physicians naturally we kind of uh, grown up as uh, people pleasers, and you know, kind of with guilt and shame into doing things. And I think the uh, system has kind of taken advantage of that. So, kind of talk about breaking the people pleasing cycle and prioritizing self care. Yes, well, physicians aren't the only ones. Us therapists also have a little Superman complex going on too. Bullets don't bounce off us, right? We get we get stuck just like everybody else. So one of the hardest things that I know for me when it came to beating and breaking my own people-pleasing was again, it came back to, I had to know myself. I had to know what my priorities were because although yes, I do care about my clients and I want them to be better and get better and have a more fulfilling life, I can't do that at my own expense. I can't do that at my family's expense. And that's one of the things that I found when I was in the middle of my practice several years ago when I was burned out that it was easier to focus on everybody else's problems than it was to focus on my own. Because when I was the expert, when I was in that expert role, it was easy for me to dish out all the advice in the world but then not take it myself. And so that always comes back to taking that place for you to slow down, take that breath, and look at what am I trying to do? Am I doing this for my family or am I doing this because I just don't know what else to do? Because in this role, as a doctor, as a therapist, as in a person in that role, does that just is it because I can feel like the expert and I can feel competent when in other areas of my life I feel like I'm failing? And so I use that as my escape from my feelings of failure. You know, I, I think it's uh, one thing that I've learned clearly over the years is um, kind of uh, building boundaries and um, tuning into the energy around you and influences and kind of and creating boundaries, you know, what you allow in and what you allow out. Um, yes. So what, the other thing is, um, so one thing is uh, this talk about is um, leveraging technology bridges the gap between the increasing mental health crisis and the uh, limited available. I know there's, you know, social media. It's kind of an interesting topic. Talk about that. So it's interesting, right? Because it's the double-edged sword of most technology, right? Where it can be helpful and it can be harmful because social media is designed to stimulate your brain in those specific areas that make you feel like you're creating real connections. But really, you're not creating real connections. But at the same time, it's also, thanks to you know COVID and the pandemic, it also allowed therapists, doctors, and other health professionals to get into areas, thanks to virtual medicine, 
in a way that we've never been able to before. So now we can serve these populations where before they didn't have access to our specialties. And so that's amazing. But at the same time, it's also that double-edged sword where how much can you really provide care for a person virtually when there's some things that you need to do that are in person? Yeah, so wonderful points. And one thing you were talking about, which was um, this idea of social media you know, and technology. Technology has actually um, helped it, you know, which you talked about. Um, talk about this area where you know, technology has actually caused more anxiety, depression, more in, in eating disorders, more burnout, kind of elucidate that side. Sure, I'm more than happy to discuss that. So when, again, like, you know, technology, like especially social media has specifically been designed again to mimic those, the feelings of connection that are vital to human social interaction. But the problem is because, you know, before, you know, we human beings, 250,000 odd years, we've lived mostly in groups of about 25 to 100 people up until, you know, civilization, what, about a thousand years ago? And so for the first piece, our brain is still designed to only accept input from about 25 to 100 people. But now we have access to thousands and thousands of different cultures, people, ideas, viewpoints, life, all these different things. But the thing that we forget is it's a curated life. It's rare that you see someone on Facebook where they're talking about how their day was the worst day ever and the horrible nature of what's going on in their life. Usually it's, look at this amazing place that I am. Look at this amazing picture that I am. So then part of our, our primitive primate brain is, well, why don't I have that? Why don't I? Why? You start to do the comparison thing. And that comparison piece is what gets us trapped and swirling and stuck into these different aspects of being burned out, being exhausted, feeling like a failure and these different ways. And one of the hardest things especially is because I'm, a, you know, I'm, like I said, I've been through bullying. And so I was lucky I didn't grow up in the social media era because bullying didn't follow me into the home. Home was safe for me. School was not, but home was. And, you know, and that's the thing is that now bullying can follow you at home, at school, Anything that gets posted online could follow you for the rest of your life. It could be found by your be found by your bosses twenty years from now, and that's the thing that we forget is that everything online now lives forever. It's somewhere out there, and that's a piece of it that we don't recognize when it comes to social media. Is that it is an amazing way to create connection, but it in a way we are more more connected, but more profoundly disconnected from each other than we've ever been before because. I don't know about you, but when I was living in California, I barely knew my neighbors when I lived in apartment buildings. I didn't know who lived above me, below me, or next to me. Even when I moved into some neighborhoods and I, when I eventually owned my own home and stuff, I rarely knew my neighbors because you become and get this kind of fear of either the other or you don't need to connect with other people because, well, I have 175 friends on Facebook, so why do I need to know my neighbors, right? It's that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I love, and, you know, especially, you know, with kids where they're looking on, you know, nonstop 24-7, you know, like mm -hmm. just uh, body image and, you know, food, you know, so much yep. stimuli. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's, you know, the thing is, like, you can tell when societies progress when you start to see more 
incidence of mental disorders, you know, because basically all our needs are met, you know, we can, it's easy to find mm-hmm. clothing, shelter, transportation now. So I'm not yeah. sure if these are like problems of a developed society or, you know, these are kind of I mean, quality problems, but um, it's uh, interesting how you talked about that. Well, and you're correct, though. It is a sign of an industrially developed society because really right now, technically, I don't have to ever leave my office again. I could have Amazon, Walmart Plus, Drizzly deliver booze, food, clothes, and supplies to me in this office, and I would never have to leave. And that's the thing, right? It's now that we have that ability, so we, our brain now is goes, well, I need to manufacture something because our brain is still stuck in caveman times where my job is to hunt and gather and collect and get the food and the stuff that I need to survive. But now survival is this thing that we're literally, it's the push of a button away. And because of that, our brains are now more able to do the inward looking. And that's why we now are looking at ourselves more, figuring out things more, trying to decide, am I worthy? Am I good? Am I bad? Negative self-talk, negative you know, feelings about ourself, our body, about our medical health. Now, if I want to go online, I can ask Dr. Google, and Dr. Google will usually tell me from the symptoms I've put in, I'm going to die. That's usually what Dr. Google tells me. Oh, you've got that ingrown hair on your arm? Well, that's not ingrown hair. You've got cancer. You're going to die. That's the thing, right? Is our brain is designed to live in a world where literally the thing we should fear is the stuff in the dark, is the tigers, is the bears, is other people coming to attack us. And so our body is still wired for biological fear, but then because we're not because we are now the apex predator on the planet, there's not biological anything against us anymore. Now it's microscopic diseases, other people or it's a combination, or it's our own thoughts that go after us. And that's kind of where we're at now. You know, brings us uh, to this uh, other idea, which you talked about is this kind of the um, reptilian and the mammalian brains. And yes. hasn't, um, like we haven't evolved up to that point and we haven't caught up, you know, our, our wiring is still kind of, you know, what you described as caveman. Yeah, the other question is um, talking about this um, idea was this, uh, how can, you know, with all of the disorder and all of the problems with society today, how can people go about changing themselves and kind of um, reconnecting in a disconnected world, uh, trying to find meaning in your life, etc.? When I was at my most burned out and my most disconnected, because for me, I don't, for me, what burnout is, is it's not about... I'm tired. It's I'm disconnected from me. I'm disconnected from my family. I'm disconnected from my friends. I'm disconnected from my purpose. So it came back to the things that we often talk about when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to Buddhism, when it comes to mindfulness, when it comes to these kind of practices. It comes back to first you have to know yourself, which is the thing that people are scared to do because for a lot of my clients, one of the hardest things to get them do to do is to journal. All I want them to do is write four or five sentences about what's going on inside of their brain. And they resist me for months and months to do that because there's still that primitive thing. Well, if I write it down, if I say it, then it must mean it's true. And then now if this thing is true, well, if I don't act on it, then I'm choosing to stay stuck. 
So that's kind of that double-edged sword piece right there, right? Where in order for us to move forward, we have to be able to look inside ourselves and say, how do I need to own this? Because if you can't own it, you can't fix it. That's what it comes down to. The other question, you know, which uh, brought me to this idea where it's basically, you know, we're all looking for self-actualization and, you know, we have more options and choices. We kind of, kind of create our own, you know, a hundred years ago, we were either farmers or laborers or we're going to, yep. you know, the average lifespan, you know, 30 was actually a, you know, you lived a long life. Now it's like yeah. the a hundred, hundred points. Yeah, I know. Really interesting. So how can people contact you, follow you, reach out to you, etc.? Sure. Well, uh, I just published my first book on Amazon. It's called Beat Burnout in 15 Minutes a Day, How to Prioritize Yourself Without Losing What Matters Most. So you can find me on Amazon. Uh, you can also find me on social media, which is, I know that's ironic. <laughs> you can find me at small change and the letter U, or you can find me at small change backslash info. And I'm more than happy just to have a conversation and let people, you know, help them figure out what they want to do and how they want to change their life. Because I know that it's possible to do that if you decide to take that step back and invest in yourself so that you can let go of the fear and the burnout and the exhaustion that plague all of us because we are now on 24-7 and it's really helping to create those proper boundaries so that we can take back our lives and take back our time. Yeah. And uh, for all the listeners out there listening, Clint, for coming on, uh, he's got a really interesting background and uh, all of his resources will be in the links and show notes and really interesting uh, conversation. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right. That's, I guess. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week